three. All right, for those of you who maybe this is your first Wednesday here, or maybe you're a brand new sixth grader and you came in right whenever watching The Chosen, we you're actually picking up right in the middle of one of our sermon series called World Changers. So we started this series right after Easter, and we paused it over the summer to watch The Chosen. Um, but basically in this series, and we're going to finish it this month, so in September we're starting a brand new one. Um, but we're just going through the first couple chapters of the book of Acts, which tells the story of the early church. So if you know anything about the Bible, there's these four things called the Gospels. They all are biographies of Jesus. They tell the life story of Jesus, of uh, his miracles, his teachings, his life, death, and resurrection. And then the book of Acts is the story of what happens right after that. Um, so that's, we're going to do a little bit of recap. Um, but it's following, these, the stories are following the disciples along and how they went and changed the world. One of the verses in, in Acts 17 says, these men have come here and they have turned the world upside down. They literally changed the world. And we are here today. We are at church. We are Christians today because the disciples changed their world. They did exactly what Jesus said, told them to do, and they made disciples of all the nations. So that's why we're here today. So just a little bit of recap, um, after Jesus died, uh, so spoiler alert, the Jesus that we watch on The Chosen, he dies. Um, yep, spoiler alert, in case you haven't got to that part in the story yet, he dies, but double spoiler alert, he comes back to life. He comes back to life. Um, he died, he died, he, he rose again, and then after he rose again, he appeared to many people. In one of Jesus' last appearances, and we see this in Acts chapter 1, he gave the disciples a mission to preach the gospel to the entire world. He says, go and preach and make disciples of all the nations. And then he told them that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them. And that Holy Spirit, he would give them power to be a witness, to tell everybody about what Jesus did. And then fast forward to Acts chapter 2, all these disciples, they were together, all the followers of Jesus, they were together and they were praying. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came on them, filled them, and then gave them the ability to speak in other tongues. And if you can go back and you can listen to that episode to see what all that's about on the podcast. But basically, this allowed a crowd of people come around and ask, like, how are these backwoods, um, hillbilly people, how are they able to glorify God in all of these languages? How are they able to speak French? How are they able to speak Chinese? How are they doing it fluently in praising God when they don't know these languages? Um, we'll talk about that afterwards. Um, but basically, he's, this caused people to come around and ask, like, how was this possible? And so this gave Peter the opportunity to stand up and preach to tell people about what was happening. And the message that Peter preached, it must have been great because it was, um, it was all about Jesus, but also convicted the people to make them ask, what should we do with this news? And Peter says, the only logical thing you can do is to repent and be baptized and follow Jesus. And it says 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And it's right after that story we're going to pick up tonight. Um, so uh, before we get into that story, so often... Um, I'm not the only one, right? Like, how, how many of you guys, like, we try to just rely on our own power? Has anyone ever tried to do that before? Rely on own power? Yeah, I, I see that, Tucker. I believe it. I'm just kidding. Right? It's like, I just want to do this by myself. So often we rely on our own power. 
we want to rely on ourselves. And so often, like, whenever we need something, like, we don't even pray and ask God to answer that prayer. Am I the only one that, like, if I need something, like, I'm just going to figure out how to make it work instead of just sitting there and praying and, like, God, can you just make this happen? Right? Yeah, we're, I'm there. I th- I, we're, we're all there. And that ties us into the story because our mission here at Quita Assembly Youth, just like how Garrett and Abram so eloquently say every week, is that we hope that you belong. We hope that this is a place, yeah, eloquently. Um, we hope that this is a place where you can discover hope. We hope this is a place where you can become more like Jesus. And we hope that this is a place you can go out and make a difference in the world. And so how that works is we hope that when you come in, you feel like this is a place you belong. There's friendly faces. We want to bring you in. But we hope also that you discover hope, and that is only by being with Jesus, which happens in times of worship, and it happens through times like this, and happens in small group. We also hope that you um, become more like Jesus. That happens as you spend time with Jesus as well. But then we hope that you take this and you make a difference in the world. We all want to leave behind a legacy. We all want to make a difference. This is a place where we hope that when you leave here, you can actually make a difference. And the only way to make a difference in our world is by doing the things that Jesus did. So tonight, our story is going to show us real examples of people who are becoming more like Jesus by spending time with Jesus and then are making a difference in this world by literally doing the things that Jesus did and told them to do. So Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is all that we need. Whenever we lean in on Jesus and rely on him, nothing is impossible. And the disciples show us that tonight. Whenever we lean on Jesus Nothing is impossible. Um, so if you have a Bible with you, how many of you guys have a real Bible? Let's, let's put it in the air. Yep, cool. If you have a Bible, Acts chapter 3. If not, don't worry about it. Don't feel like you have to be on your phone. Um, but it's going to be right there on the screen behind us. So Acts chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So we're going to pause right there. There's a couple of things to notice. The first thing to notice is that the disciples are still in Jerusalem. That's important to note because this is the city that just a couple of months before arrested Jesus and killed and crucified him. And so instead of the disciples leaving and say, we're going to get out of this town, they instead stay and they insist that they are going to continue to preach about the Jesus they killed was raised from the dead by the God they, that they say they serve. So that's important. Like they are staying in the city that they feel is hostile. And then the second thing to notice is that prayer was a vital part of their life. They are going to the temple to pray, not to get anything. Like, they probably weren't praying for anything specific. They weren't going there to be seen by everybody. Like, oh, look at us. We're going to the temple to pray. They're going to pray because that is what Jesus did. That is what they did. Followers of Jesus are people of prayer. They were apprentices of Jesus. They, They were disciples. They watched what Jesus did, and then they went and did the same thing. That Jesus spent time daily in prayer. They watched as Jesus went off and prayed every single day. And so they did exactly what Jesus did. And they followed Jesus and they went and also prayed daily um, as well. If we want to become more like Jesus, if we want our character to become more like Jesus, and we want our life to, to be characterized by that, like Jesus was unanxious, 
Jesus was unhurried. Jesus embodied peace. Jesus embodied joy. If we want the, the, the characteristics of Jesus, we have to embody the lifestyle of Jesus. And Jesus prayed daily. We must follow his example. So continuing on the story in verse 2. It says, a man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed there each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Whenever he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, they looked straight at him and said, look at us. And so he turned to them expecting to get something from them. So as Peter and John are going into the temple, as they did regularly, they are stopped by a lame man. And this is lame as in like he's crippled, like he's unable to walk, not lame as in um, Tucker or Garrett. No, just kidding. <laughs> not that kind of lame. Lame as in like he was disabled, he couldn't walk. And that was a big deal in the first century. Like 2,000 years ago, that was a big deal. Because if you couldn't walk, then that means you couldn't work. Like, there weren't wheelchairs back then. There weren't a lot of desk jobs where you can sit at a computer. Like, if you couldn't walk, then you couldn't work. A lot of work was manual labor. And if you couldn't work, then you couldn't provide for yourself. So this guy was in a pretty tough situation. He was begging. He he was relying on the kindness of those around him. This was the best option that he saw for his life. It was the easiest and most efficient way to get enough money to live. Because he couldn't get it any other way. So he sat at this particular gate each day begging and saying, like, do you have any money? Like, I need food. I need to live to survive. Like, imagine the humility, like, how how humiliating that must have been for him to rely on people to give to him. And whenever I read this, and this is probably going to give you guys more questions than answers. Um, When I was reading this, I'm like, I wonder how long he's been sitting there. It says he's been there every single day. So... How often did Peter and John walk past this guy before this day? Because they also go to the temple. But then it made me a question, like, Jesus went to the temple. Like, how many times did Jesus walk by this guy and not heal them? Like, why didn't this happen sooner? Like, that's a real question. And so we don't know the answer to those questions except to trust that God's timing and God's will is always perfect. In this particular time, God chose to step in and intervene. This time, they stopped. And so at this time, Peter and John, they stopped, and they returned the stare at this guy. Like most people, like they probably don't return the stare. Um, yeah, go back. You're giving away all the stuff. Like, no kidding? Okay, yeah, that one. <laughs> um, most people, they probably just walked by. They probably didn't look at this guy. They probably like, just had change and just threw it in his little basket or whatever. But Peter and John, it says they stopped and they stare at him and they command him, they stare back at us. And so this guy, he's probably, um, he's probably looks back at them expectantly, like expecting to get more than he usually does. Like he's, this guy's probably sitting there like, most people just throw money at me. Like, why, am I, why do you want me to stare at you? Are you going to give me a lot more? Like, is that what's about to happen here? He's expecting, but not for what is about to happen. So in the verse chapter, or chapter, or chapter 3, verse 6, it says, But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. 
So the beggar, he's looking at Peter and John with expectation. And at first he is disappointed because they don't have what he is looking for. At this time, this guy, he believes that all he needs is money. If I get money, then I'll be able to eat, I'll be able to survive, I'll be able to live. And that's really all I need. Like that is what a good life is. I just need money and then I'll have everything I need. He expects, he believes that all Peter and John also have to offer is money. Like, why would he expect anything else from them? It's like, I just need money. I expect that all you have to give me is money. And he believes that if he gets that, then he'll be good. Like, if I just get what I'm looking for, then I'll be fine. But the God we serve is in the business of exceeding our expectations. And, and his grace and his mercy, he exceeds our expectations. And his grace, sometimes God gives us far more than what we could hope for or imagine. This guy, he just wanted a little bit of money, but God gave him way more than he could imagine. And we see that here in the story. So this man asked for money, which Peter and John didn't have. And if we read the section that's right above this one, it makes sense that Peter and John, they probably were actually pretty poor themselves. They didn't have a lot of walking around spending money because the disciples, they literally gave all their um, possessions to share with the church. They literally sold their possessions and the church shared it. So they probably literally didn't have silver or gold to give them. But Peter and John, they give them something way more valuable, which is Jesus. Peter and John tell the man, like, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And here, Peter and John, they're not just becoming more like Jesus by going in and doing the things that Jesus did. They are literally doing the things that Jesus did. Like, up to this point, it was really only Jesus that was walking around and healing people and doing miracles and performing signs and wonders. But Jesus gives his followers the same ability whenever they are following him and relying on his power. That's what we see here. They are making, these disciples are making a real tangible difference in the world by trusting in Jesus and doing the things that he did. They they are making a difference. We all want to leave behind. Like I said, we all want to make a difference in our world. These disciples are literally doing that by doing the things that Jesus did. And it's important to note that, and we'll see more of this in the next couple weeks, but the purpose of this healing, the purpose of this miracle that happened here, it wasn't to show off how cool and awesome the disciples were. Like, that's, that's not what's happening here. Because this is still the same Peter. Like, we, we saw Peter in The Chosen. Like, he's not all that, right? Like, he talks a lot. He, he gets things wrong all the time. But this is the same Peter that later on the story that Jesus calls Satan. And, like, Jesus literally said, like, get behind me, Satan. He said that to Peter. And it's also the same Peter that denied Jesus three times the night that he was arrested. So this has nothing to do with showing how cool and awesome Peter and John are. It's not their power, but it's Jesus' power working through them. This miracle is proving um, that what they are preaching is accurate, that what they are preaching about Jesus is true. And this miracle opens the door to share the good news of Jesus, to open the door to share that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the fulfillment of all the scriptures, and that Jesus came to establish a new kingdom. That's why this miracle happens. Like, God had mercy on this beggar. He saw that he had a real need, and God met him. But this also proves that what Peter and John are preaching about, whenever they say Jesus is the way, it proves that it's true. But it also opens the door for them to be able to stand up and say, what you saw here, it only happened because of Jesus. And it's not that there's magic in the name of Jesus. Like sometimes we think that. 
Like we think that if we just say the name of Jesus on the end of every prayer, that means it automatically has to happen. Like that's not what's happening here either. It's not like, like in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Like that's not... It's not because he said in the name of Jesus that it was like a magic thing that happened. And we actually see this in the book of Acts. Like, we're not going to get there, but I just want to nerd out on you a little bit. Like, there, Paul was going around, and he was casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And then there was these seven Jewish people that were like, come. Like, Paul is saying this certain phrase, and demons are coming out of people. So these guys, they try to go and cast out a demon just using the name of Jesus. And it says the demon spoke back to him, and it says, this Jesus I know. And this Paul guy I know, but I don't know you. And it says that this guy who was possessed literally beat these guys so bad they ran out of the house um, screaming and naked. Like, so it's not about just saying the name of Jesus, right? We, okay, I'll give you that story. It's in the book of Acts. But it's not about saying just the name of Jesus. It's not a magic word that you put at the end of prayer that will automatically make it true. Instead, the source of the power that can, in fact, does heal the crippled person is Jesus himself. The phrase, in the name of Jesus, it means in the authority of Jesus. And you only get that authority by becoming more like Jesus, by relying on him, by not trying to do it on your own strength, but by relying on Jesus. It was Jesus himself. It was his power, by his authority, that this happened. Not just because he used that name, but because Peter and John were relying on Jesus, and Jesus did it through their obedience. So in verse 8, we see the results of it. So, so he jumped up. And he started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. And so they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had just happened. So immediately, like, Jesus heals this guy through Peter. And it's like, what's the first thing you think you'd do? Like, if you have never walked for 40 years... Like in the next couple chapters, we realized this guy was actually 40 years old. He had never walked. So for 40 years, he was never able to walk. What's one of the first things you're going to do? Maybe fall, but, but not really because it says immediately his legs and ankles became strong. Um, so they were fully double. He begins to walk and leap. He jumped up and started walking and leaping and praising God. Basically, he, he jumped up and started doing the gritty, right? Like imagine that. Like Tucker, you want to show him what this guy would have done? <laughs> praising God all the way down to the temple. So he jumped up, he started walking and leaping and praising God. And so he entered the temple as he did this. And what is cool is that everyone in the temple knew exactly who this guy was. And everyone in the temple, they knew that something special was happening. Like they're probably wondering, like, this is the guy, like, isn't, isn't that the guy who has never walked before? Like, we've been walking past him for 40 years, and he's never got up before. He's been carried before. Has he just been playing this whole time, or what's happening here? But they notice something is happening. And immediately, because these Jews in this temple, they probably knew the scriptures very well. They knew that God was up to something, because this was actually prophesied about 700 years before. So they're probably wondering, like, why is he walking? Why is he leaping? Like, what does this mean for us, is the kingdom of God coming? 
Is this what Isaiah was talking about? Is the renewal of all things here? And so that is probably what the crowd is wondering. And so Peter, he's going to stand up and he's going to preach again. He's going to tell them um, all about what is happening. And, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Garrett's going to preach on that next week. Um, but Peter, he stands up and preach. But in short, the answer is yes. The kingdom of God is here. That's what this means. That's what this represents. And so to answer the question of the crowd, the kingdom of God is here. Because 700 years before Jesus, 700 years before any of this happened, there's this guy named Isaiah. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he prophesied that this is what it's going to, like, this is how you're going to know the kingdom of God is here. Because these things are going to happen. So in Isaiah chapter 35, I don't have it on the back, on the screen behind me, but just listen. Basically, he's saying, like, Whenever you see these things happen, when the kingdom of God arrives, the kingdom of God is here whenever you see this. He says, the wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. It will blossom abundantly and will also rejoice with joy and singing. Strengthen the weak hands. Steady the shaky knees. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. The eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer or do the gritty. And the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For the parched ground has become a pool. In the thirsty land, springs. And a road will be there. This is the part so important. A road will be there and a way. And it will be called the holy way. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks the path. Fools will not wander on it. And the ransomed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee. If Matthew, you want to go ahead and come back for the keys. These things that Isaiah prophesied about 700 years are coming to, to pass. With Jesus, like literally deaf people were, were able to hear, blind people were able to see, lame people were get, able to get up and walk. And so a lot of people heard about the miracles that Jesus did. But the people in the temple, they probably heard about them. But now they're seeing it happen. Like I thought, that, I thought that Jesus guy was dead. I thought he was gone. But now people are saying that he rose again. Now people are saying that he was resurrected. Like what does this mean? And now people are saying that by his name, by his power, by the, by the guy who was dead and rose again and now ascended to heaven, this guy is walking. Does this mean the kingdom of God is here? Yes, the kingdom of God is here. This guy is getting up. He, the, the lame is walking. And he is singing with unending joy. That's the result of living in the kingdom of God. Joy and gladness overtakes them. Sorrow and sighing will flee. That's what we desire. We don't want sorrow or sighing in our life. We want those things gone. We want unending joy. And that only happens in the kingdom of God. And so the first thing is the kingdom of God is here. Will you enter? Will you allow Jesus to be your king? Jesus is everything that you need. We sing it with that, that make room song. Like, 
your way is better. So tonight, rely on Jesus. He is enough for you. Everything that you need is found in him. Jesus has exactly what you need when you need it. The the world can only offer a desert. The world can only offer you silver or gold. And so if you're asking, like, I just need silver and gold, the world, that's the only thing they can offer. They can only give you silver and gold. It's fleeting. It's dry. It's useless. But Jesus provides gushing water in the wilderness. That's what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 37, that he provides gushing water whenever you are dry, singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake you. Sorrow and sighing will flee. And so will you allow Jesus to be your king? What does that mean? It means we submit to Jesus as king. It means his way is holy and right. The road of Jesus, Isaiah prophesied about, is called the holy way. Following Jesus, it means crucifying your flesh. It means denying yourself. It means turning from your old life, turning from your sins, and then following Jesus into holiness. It means following Jesus into ways of purity and holiness. Submit to him, serve him, follow his way. That is the only way. If you want a life that is characterized by unending joy, the only road to that is the holy way. The only road to that is leaving your old self behind. The kingdom of God is here. The second thing is, will you proclaim Jesus as the king? Will you tell people that Jesus is the king? He is the way. He is the life. Peter and John, they didn't have silver or gold to give to the layman, but they knew Jesus. So give people Jesus. That's all they need. Every single day, when you go back to school next week, you're going to see people that are wandering around looking for silver and gold. They're looking for things that can satisfy an immediate desire that they have, but in the end, it's going to leave with sorrow and sighing. Give people Jesus. That's all they need. Make a difference by doing the things that Jesus did. When you serve Jesus as your king, when you serve the king, his authority becomes your authority. He is the ruler of the universe. He's in charge of everything. He has all power at his disposal. His authority becomes your authority. So in the authority of Jesus, when you rely rely on him and you obey him, you can see miracles happen. God will provide for you. So give people Jesus. He is the answer. He is all they need. Proclaim Jesus the King and make a difference by being different. If we really want to make a difference in our life, it's not going to happen by conforming to the world. It's not going to happen by doing what the crowd around you is doing. It's not going to happen by, oh, you're talking about that joke. I need to get on the joke. You're watching the show. I need to watch the show. Make a difference by being different. The, word, the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't go along with the way, but instead be transformed into the life and character of Jesus. If you want to make a difference, be different. That's what this part of the Bible challenge is all about. That's why we're starting it the very first day of school. We could start the week after. We could start a month after. But I'm going to challenge you as the very first day of school to carry your Bible out in the open. Like not in your backpack, not under your arm, not underneath everything else, but literally to walk around carrying it. Be bold. 
show people that your life is characterized not by what they think, but what God thinks. If Jesus is not your king, it makes sense that you want to be ashamed of him. It makes sense that you want to hide your faith. If Jesus isn't your king, no one's going to blame you. Like that, that checks out. Like that's, that's what's expected of you, honestly. If you're not going to serve and walk the holy way, that, that checks out. But if Jesus is your king, if the ruler of the universe who created everything, who, 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 and who loves you and died for you, if he is your king, if you love and you serve him, then you have no reason to hide it because he is with you and he will empower you. If people ask you, like, what is the reason for your faith? What's the reason for your hope? The whole, you can trust the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words and the wisdom to say in that moment. He's going to empower you. That's why the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He says, you will receive power to be my witness to everyone. If we trust and rely on Jesus, he will empower you. Jesus died to bring the kingdom of God. Whenever he went to the cross, he, he went to the cross carrying your sin, your shame, and your burden, and your guilt. And then he rose from the dead, securing your victory, securing your entrance into the kingdom. And so my challenge for you is tonight, submit to him as the king. Repent of your sins. The part of your life, you're like, I, I missed the mark in that. that. That part of my life, it's not characterized by Jesus. Repent of that. Turn from that and follow Jesus. Walk the holy way and ask him to make your way holy. So if you head bowed and every eye closed, the rest of the worship team, you can make your way up. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never said to him, Jesus, I will follow your holy way, not mine, I want you to raise your hand. and Let's make that commitment together. If you want to make him your king, if you want to follow him, if you want to become more like him, and you've never said that before, I just want you to raise your hand so that I can see who wants to make that commitment tonight. I see that and I left. Is there anybody else? You want to follow Jesus. You want that unending joy. I see that on my right. You want a life characterized by his unending joy. Sorrow and sighing flee. I see that. I just want everyone to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. Make me new. Make me to be just like you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you for making that commitment. That is the best step. That's the first step to a lifelong journey, the best life that you can possibly live to submit him. But that is just the first. So if you've made that commitment, I just want to talk to you afterwards. Come and tell me, and I want to help you follow like, what, are, what do next steps look like. But for now, the worship, they're going to lead us back into worship. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys to stand. Brooklyn and I, we're going to be up at the front. If you have any specific prayer requests, the leaders are going to back. They can come and pray with you. But I just wanted to ask you, submit to Jesus. When you sing the words of the song, truly mean it. Whenever we say make room, I will make room for you. Your way is better. Mean that. The altar is open if you want to come and, and, and show God the posture of your heart by relying on him and submitting to him. The altar is open. But let's pray. Jesus. We submit to you as king, and we ask you to come in this place and bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.